Hi and welcome to this, the second episode of the Darts World Weekly Podcast. My name's AJ Ernston Toft. And I'm Harry Masterson. And we've got we've had a great week of darts to gone, and now we've got another great week of darts to come. Just too busy at the moment. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Um, obviously, there's been um, plenty of stuff that's happened over these over the last over the last time since we spoke, and um, I'm looking forward to getting into it in this episode. Yes, and I think we should do that straight away by going into the news. Um, first up in the news, we'll go to the Dutch Open. Obviously, one of the one of the longest running events in darts and Bo Greaves, very, very strong start for her. Very, very strong weekend, I should say, for her. She won the women's event. She beat um, Eileen de Graff in the final. And then with Joe Rolls, she also beat, um, in the pairs, they beat um, Paige Pauling and Lorraine Winstanley in the final. And in terms of the men's competition, Jarno Bottenberg, a man that featured at the Lakeside World Championships, had a very, very good campaign. He beat Jamie Lewis in the first round and he's followed up this run of Dutch winners at the Dutch Open in the footsteps of Jelle Klassen and Barry Van Pier, beating Wesley Plazier 3-2 in the final. And he also included a 100.2 average in the opening round against Brian Roman. So very good weekend. Yes, uh, the Dutch Open, the biggest Open event in the world. And just looking at the entries for the men, 3,421 individuals in the men and in the women's singles was 320. So thus proving why it's the biggest event in the world. I've played in it a fair few times myself uh, and it's to win it. You've got to be playing well all weekend. It's, you know, you're starting off nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. You're playing for the men. You're playing down to the last 64 it stops and then you've got the night to you know do whatever you need to do. And then you start again nine o'clock in the morning on the Sunday to win both events like Bo has and to win the men's event. You know, it's a, an amazing achievement and thus being a platinum event, they've, you know, they've got the places in Lakeside for 2024. And, you know, just again, too many superbolies for Bo Greaves. In one of the matches, uh, there was a clip on YouTube Bo Greaves hitting 3-180s on the spin, especially when you've got three throws in between each one. It's just it's just incredible. I mean, you've got on one side Luke Littler ripping the rule book and ripping the form book. And on the ladies' team, on the ladies' side, you've got Bo Greaves doing the same thing. And that um then three one eighties as well. It didn't it came in a very important match for the uh, pair as well. They beat um Eileen de Graff and Anka Zilstra in the quarterfinals and for her to produce three one eighties in a row is yeah, as you say, three throws. Yeah, and I mean and that pairing of Anka Zilstra and um Eileen de Graff, I mean, that is one of the strongest pairs you'll see. I mean, they both play for the Dutch national team. They're both really strong scorers when they when they get their head onto it, and Bo just it made it look far too easy. I mean, her throw is a lovely throw to watch. Anyway, it's very simple, very similar to Luke Little. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of parallels drawn between these two in their respective fields by how easy they make it look, and uh, you know, and the winning with it as well, which um, you know, fair play. And there was a uh, another impressive run this weekend at the Dutch Open. Um, Natalie Gilbert, she had a uh, she obviously won a um, players' champion uh, women's series event. Sorry, not the players' yes. championship. Um, she went all the way to the semi-finals this year, and she had a very very impressive win against Rihanna Sullivan in the quarterfinals. We know that Rihanna Sullivan is a very very good dart player and a very difficult player to beat if she's playing her top game and to beat a four three in the quarterfinals and reach the semis. It's a very good weekend for Natalie. Yes, and this time of year, famously, is uh, lunar, the, the new lunar year in the Chinese calendar. And this year, it's the year of the dragon. I might put a little caveat that on that and say it could be the year of the Gilbert. And she said to me, I spoke with her at the end of at the end of last year, and one of her aims this year is to um, qualify for the women's world match play. And obviously, the women's series will start very soon. She's got yeah. a very very good chance of making it in and. It would be a first appearance on Televera, so yeah, uh, and you know I'm supporting her as much as all uh, all the rest of the guys from Darts World. 
Moving on to local affairs now, going on to the other side of the amateur game, the ADC. Obviously, we've had the end of series Vault 5, and we're in the midst of a bit of a lull between the two uh, vaults, Vault 5 and 6, but doesn't mean his event's not going on. Plenty of events going round. In my neck of the woods in Blackpool, Icon Darts, they hosted a Grand Slam which was won by Tom Cromwell, who seems to be winning vault after vault after vault into the Southport area. And he's moving them wins now into the more uh, Glad Slams that we have in the Northwest, beating Wes Newton in the final and respective semi-finalists Simon Proctor and Neil Allen. Having played in them events myself and at the venue of Q's, uh, which is a snooker club, uh, it's a it's a really nice venue, perfect for darts where you've got a good space in between the dartboards. You know, it's a really good atmosphere and the pair that run the events for Icon Darts. It's very old school, but it runs like clockwork. You mentioned Tom Cromwell there as well. We know that he's um, he's got the game to be able to beat anyone. Um, he, yes. um, he had one of the final stage tournaments at UKQ School this year. He did get to the final, didn't he? So Yeah, one game away. Yeah, and one the game ability away from... is there, and yeah. we know that um, we know that the amateur darts circuit does give players, the individual player, the opportunity to um, compete week in, week out, and just get their game to where they need it to be. And I'm sure, even though Tom Cromwell didn't make it onto the pro tour this year, and he was very close, yeah. Um, yeah. this year he'll still benefit, he'll still get better, and he'll be there next year at Q School fighting away. Exactly, exactly. And elsewhere in the country, you had the GL20 uh, company. They ran a, a Saturday showdown. Winner there, Clive Burgess. Runner-up, James Foster. And then your respective semi-finalists were Josh Barson and Mark Johns. So as you can see with the ADC, not you, you haven't got the vaults alone. You've got all the events at the weekend. And very interestingly, you've got a pairs competition coming up very soon. And there's a few qualifiers in the Northwest area. So just... Uh, Beware for Team TNT on the uh, out and about soon, me and Andy Tucker. So you've been warned. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's on the amateur side of the news. Now let's go on to the PDC. I think the best, the first place to start with the PDC has got to be the Masters. Um, and uh, let's go Bunting Mental. Stephen Bunting, a, uh, a, a televised PDC winner at long last yes even he was my very first opponent in youth darts when i was a 13 year old boy going into a Fisackley social club in liverpool and all the teams saying who've you drawn who've you drawn about i've drawn stephen bunting and he went oh yeah good luck with that i didn't know him because it was my first game and stepping up to the hockey and he hits 180 i'm like all right okay and I throw 85, 60, you know, whatever, warm up. And he throws another one, eight, and I'm like, I am out of my depth. I need to go. And he's, he's always been a phenomenal talent and he's always been, you know, good friend with myself. Um, but now to see him finally, finally getting that big one in the PDC, you know, there's arguments saying it's not a major, it's not this, it's a an elite televised event. And he beat Michael Van Gerwen in the final and did it well. And, you know, what better start for Stephen Bunting to push on and, you know, make a lot more, make this a really good habit. Very similar to hopefully like how Luke Humphreys finished off the year, Bunting starting. You mentioned he beat Michael Van Gerwen in the final. In fact, he beat three Premier League players in now in terms of the final day of action. He beat, he dropped just three legs in beating yes. Nathan Aspinall and Peter Wright in the quarters and the semi-finals, and then an average of 102.5 in the final against Van Gerwen, an 11-7 victory, eight 180s, and a 55% checkout rate. So, in my opinion, I think he's done everything right. <laughs> yeah, if you had a checkbox of how to beat Michael Van Gerwen, he ticked every one and then some. I mean, the, the quarter-final against Peter Wright, I mean, that was some going, and... You know, we mentioned previously, you know, this perhaps flux in form for Peter Wright. I mean, it's continuing at the moment. And then obviously with Nathan Aspinall, I mean, I think it was three ton plus checkouts. Martin, uh, Nathan Aspinall counted five, but it was three. But I mean, it was just the succession of them and how quickly. It, I mean, he's always been known to do that, you know, on the practice board. Everyone's a world champion on the practice board. 
but now he's he's turning that practice game into his A game, and his A game is going up against other people's A game and smashing them to pieces. It's mad to think as well that Stephen Bunting, before this tournament started, the part the the stage in a tournament where he would always end up falling, or the furthest he'd ever got was the semi-finals. Yeah, and to go and beat Nathan Aspinall eleven-one in this in the Masters semi, I mean. You'd think it may be playing on his mind that he would um, he would maybe lose again at the same stage at the furthest he's ever got, but he didn't show no nerves whatsoever in an 11-1 win. No, I mean, so talking from my perspective, I mean, I'm not putting myself anywhere near the calibre of Stephen Bunting, um, but when I've got to them latter stages of tournaments, for me, I'm going, I'm in, I'm in this part, I'm in this part. And, you know, sometimes you play the occasion, you don't play your game. And I think now he's, he just seemed to, to switch something and now he's just playing his game. And we mentioned Michael Van Gogh. And even though he didn't win in the final, he's had a very, very good start to the year. Three finals on the in the PDC this year. He's reached two finals on the World Series stage. He's also reached the final of this. He's not got off to the start. He's not got off to a start in the uh, Premier League as of yet. But we know that Van Gogh and Will, he's got, he's got 15 more weeks to be able to get the points yeah. on the board. And we just feel like that will happen. And... He had a very good game against Dave Chisnell in the quarterfinals this weekend, uh, 102.38 average. And to beat Dave Chisnell 10-4, we know how many 180s he can hit. Yeah, I mean, and people, yeah, um, you know, there's been this, I think, thing in the media, the, the darts media everywhere that they're going, oh, Michael Van Gogh doesn't seem to be playing as well. Does it, you know, they're, they're looking for faults in his game. And I'm going, he's still in, he's still in finals. He's he's not dead yet. You know, don't <laughs> Don't don't write him off. Write him off at your pebble. I mean, I think it's a necessity that people wanted to change. Similar to when Phil Taylor was dominant, people were getting not bored of it, but it was just you know same old same old. Where now it's wide open, but you know Van Gerwen just seems to be a bit more bullish. I think he seems to be a bit more, you know, I'm I'm the man still. You know, you still got to beat me, and I think he, he's he wants to prove a point, and he's doing it. He's doing it. And you mentioned Nathan Aspinall as well. He's um he's had a bit of a difficult little spell over these last few months, but he had a good little return to form this weekend, a semi-final place. He um he had a really good game with Daryl Gurney in the quarterfinals. Um we say that Nathan Aspinall is one of these players where um he will never give up. He will always fight for every single leg. And you could argue that Daryl Gurney was like that against him this weekend. It was a 10-9 victory Dogged. for the ass and Super Chin also included a two hundred plus finishes, so yeah. he definitely was there and gave Aspinall a really good game. But it's just last leg deciders. It was a dogged performance, and you know one thing that you know, as you say, Nathan is a scrapper in these games, and he loves them highly contested games. He doesn't want to be sweeping people out, you know, six nil, you know, ten nil, seven nil, whatever the score may be. He seems to play it at his best when he's in a real dogfight. And that game against Gurney was a real dogfight. And a final player to quickly mention from the weekend. Um, I said last week that Dimitri Vandenberg, even though he lost two go in price at the Dutch Darts Masters, he had a very, very good performance. He averaged 102 and Price averaged 103 in the opening round last week in Den Bosch. And this week he's returned. He's beat Michael Smith and Damon Hetter. That's two of the top 10 in the world to reach the Masters semi-finals. So could we be seeing a return of form for Dimitri Vandenberg? I think what we're what I'm noticing is a lot of people seem to have found their form or found their spirit or found their game. Is this another effect of the Littler effect where he's coming and everyone's gone? You know, they've everyone's been resting on the laurels and now everyone's just seemed to have, have upped the ante a bit more. And you can see a lot more hundred averages in these televised events. I think for the past, I'd say, year, like last year before Littler burst onto the scene, you know, people were in the 90s on TV events and, you know, the, the games were good, don't get me wrong, but they weren't that good. Whereas now, a lot of these games, you know, it is toss a coin at the moment. And I think everyone's just jockeying for position to see, you know, who's top dog. And I think Luke bursting onto the scene has, has pushed players to get to this form. Fact is, he played in his first ever game on a PDC televised stage 
in a in a major competition. He played at the Ali Pali and he averaged 106 to beat Christian yeah. Kist. And I think that's just the uh, the uh, the sign that four players that their game is going to have to get better if you're going to beat this guy. Um, yes, and I think that's what they've done. Yeah, definitely, Absolutely. definitely. So we've going on to Thursday's Premier League nights one in Cardiff, and. Surprise, surprise, Mike Smith burst out the blocks. It was great to see. I mean, everyone knows how fluid Michael can throw and everyone, you know, he, he hits 180s and he shrugs it off. You know, he's got that very downplayed attitude to his game. But I think now, as he said, you know, that has been lifted on his shoulders. The pressure of being a world champion has lifted off his shoulders. And he looked a lot freer. He looked a lot looser in the, in all night. And with his uh, first round win on against Michael Van Gerwen, I mean, what better way to say I'm back? Absolutely, and I think I mentioned last week in the episode, in the first episode, that Mike, like Michael Smith, has not put as much practice into his game as he's as he has done in previous. I think, in, like he would even say that he is one of the most dedicated players in relation to practice. But last year, maybe just as you said, world champion, it's a it was a whole new experience for him and um, to go and win the opening night. And there was some, there was difficulty on the opening night. There was whistles going on during the um, yeah. Luke Littler game. I think Luke Humphrey suffered from the same thing in his match. Um, and Michael Smith on that night, he played really, he beat three top players in form as well. Michael Van Gerwen and Luke Littler. They've been in both World Series finals this year before that. Tour before that night played and Gerwin Price, who was the hometown hero, and he's reached two semis on the World Series stage himself. So we know that he they were all in form, but Michael Smith was the best player on the opening night, and fair play to him. Yeah, it was really good to see. Uh, you know, a dip, you know, we was expecting different names, but we'll go into that a little bit later on. But going into that first round, I mean, obviously Rob Cross threw solid in his victory over Peter Wright. But, you know, again, you know, Peter just seems to be in this funk at the moment. And, you know, he said he's thrown all his darts away and things like that. You know, for me, his best darts have always been the gold, like, um, diamond Van Gerwen's, you know, I think Euro Tour 12 or whatever, you know, what Red Dragon sell it as. That's, for me, that's his best dart. And and I think as soon as he gets to that, I mean, he said he stuck to one dart, the one set, but it seems to be the worst set. He just, he just doesn't seem to be liking these darts that he's throwing with, but I think he needs to make that change quick and get his, uh, get his mojo back. I think with Peter Wright, his mentality is he's a perfectionist. He will he will literally just look and find the darts which he knows will play will suit his game perfectly. Yeah, I agree. I think the the golds fusion darts were definitely his best. I think winning the um, winning the match play and the world championships in the space of six months. Yeah, um, with the same set, you have to literally look at that and think, yeah, they're the darts that win me stuff. I should just keep using them, but they make so many darts for him. He's using these Astria starts at the minute. They um, he looked he looked like he'd returned to form at the weekend against Ratajski. Um, and even though he didn't score a, the best, he averaged about ninety, but fifty five percent on the checkouts. Um, yeah. and for any pro player, they would be very happy with that. Absolutely. I mean, it just as we say, it's a work in progress. You know, it's only just the start of the season. It's only just the start of the darting calendar. Everyone really picks up the game from about October, would say, in that ready for the World Championships. So Peter Wright, with being in the fortunate position he's in in the world rankings, you know, he can work on his... He's got time to work on his game. I think if he was in a lower position in the world rankings, it might be panic stations. But at the moment, it just seems to be tinkering and... Uh, He'll find his setup. He'll find his mojo again. Um, but with the rematch of the World Championship final, I mean, Luke Littler was astonishing. Astonishing. I mean, I mean there's too many superlatives about Bo Greaves. There's definitely too many superlatives about Luke Littler. I saw at the weekend there is now a burger named after Luke Littler. It's the Nuke Burger. Uh, it's some chicken 
chicken place. Uh, I think it's down south, so I'll have to find it and I'll retweet it uh, on the DW socials. But it's a chicken breast with kebab meats on it and hot sauce. <laughs> so you've got to be doing well for yourself if you're getting a burger named after you. Absolutely, absolutely. And he continues to basically grace the world of darts with his, the way he's playing. He's obviously, well, he wasn't playing at the Masters this weekend, which was a, uh, a bit of a surprise. Yeah, he needed time uh, off. <laughs> <laughs> he's got plenty to, he's got plenty more. Like the schedule is going to get more hectic though for him. He's got the Premier League this week, the Euro Tours. Um, the I've just seen today that he's confirmed as one of the... Um, confirmed um, players that are going to be entering to try and qualify for the opening two Euro Tours and the Pro Tour starts next week as well. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is Pro Tours 1 and 2 and Euro qualifiers on the Wednesday. Then you've got the Premier League and then, is it Euro Tours Saturday? Euro Tours start, the, the tournament will start on the Friday and then it'll last over the Friday, uh, the Saturday and the Sunday. I mean, I thought I had a busy schedule, but I mean, it's as the Beatles say, nearly eight days a week. But, uh, you know, this is what they signed up for. And, you know, there's going to be a bit of grumblings and people can pull out of tournaments of their own free will, which is absolutely fine. But, you know, I think that time management and game management is going to be very important. And, you know, Luke Lilla, he's got all the energy in the world. You know, he's still a teenager. You know, it sees a the older folks that might be struggling a bit uh, over the course of the year with this, you know, with this grueling schedule, but um, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting first six months of the year and uh, see where it goes from there. Definitely going to get some getting used to for Littler, but I, from what I've witnessed at the minute of how he just approaches game at every game that he plays, I just don't see this being a problem at all. Um, I think with the fact that, the Premier League's going on. He's playing the best players in the world right now each week. That's going to get him better. He's going to be playing the Pro Tours each week, which, again, in Wigan, in Leicester, in wherever wherever they hold it. Um, and the Euro Tours as well. That's going to give him a whole new experience, playing abroad near enough week in, week out. It's going to be... And once he gets this first year out of the way as well, I think it will get to that stage where he's like, I'm used to this now. I can do this. And I mean, very best of luck to him for this year. So sorry to laugh, but it's like I thought it was like I'm used to this first round against Christian Kist in the World Championships. He looked that relaxed there. It was, you know, it's like, yeah, whatever. So Fobby darts. I think he was more concerned about his FIFA packs on his on his game. But you know, it's um, it's going to be really it's going to be really interesting because to have your Thursday night practice. I mean, you know, thank God he's not in the Swinton League on a Thursday night. He's going to be busy, you know, Um, but it's going to be uh, interesting. I think Thursday, I mean, as he said in an interview, this is just practice because it doesn't affect his world rankings. It doesn't affect, you know, his money list because it doesn't go on to it. I mean, he can use that as a really good practice session, (laughs) if you want to put it to that terms, the Premier League. And then soon as this Pro Tour starts on Monday, it's going to be even better because I think, you know, on the floor where it's just darts, nothing, no razzmatazz, he could start putting in averages that, you know, the world has never seen. And I think he is capable of that. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a couple of, I'm not talking some plus checkouts where it's between naught and 10 at the end. I think you're going to see 110 plus averages you know, and, I, and I'm not just saying that to uh, add more smoke to the fire or add more fuel to the fire. I genuinely believe he is that good. And I've witnessed it firsthand how good he is. And been on playing against him and when he was 13, 14, and I'm going, all right, I might have beaten him 2-0 or 2-1, but you're going... He's too good. He, he's too good. He, he needs to go. He needs to. He needs to go. You know where, where the bigger boys play because he was uh, phenomenal to watch. And when you play, when he was playing against Pete Hudson's in 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 the Northwest in local events, you're going. He's good, but this is insane. And now he's just proving the people that know he's proving them right. For the people that don't know, now they know, and they're going, "How good can he be?" Believe me, he can be that good. 
I think what you mentioned when you mentioned as well about the uh, 110 plus averages on the regular, I think the format that the um, the Pro Tools are basically put out, I think that will definitely suit that from that happening. And I remember he played um, on the Moda Super Series stage last year. He played in one of the finals and averaged like 110, 111 in one of the weekly competitions. So yeah, the evidence is there, and we just know that when he does get started, when he um, when he is starting, because this is where you start playing for stuff. This is where it means something. Like this yeah. is where he needs to get his ranking up to play in the tournaments, like the match play, like your Grand Slams and your Grand Prix. And going back to what you said about the Premier League as well, being match practice for him, I think that's one of the best approaches you could have going into this tournament because yeah. it's his debut. He's playing the world's very best. He's not ever played with the world's very best before. And to have that approach... Who knows? He could very well qualify for the playoffs come the end of it. And the way he started last week, he didn't show any nerves. I know the whistles were getting in. Yeah. Um, they were hindering Luke Humphreys and Michael Smith in terms of what they were doing. But you can't like he can't do anything about that. That's just that's the crowd. That's not him. And yeah, and later for him to still taking it into his strides. And speaking on that, in your opinion, do you think something should be done about the whistle? I mean. I understand there's a bit of pantomime in the crowd and there's always a pantomime villain, especially when Gerwin Price is playing, but it's spoiling. It is now getting to the point where it is spoiling the event and, you know, the referees have got to step in at some point because, I mean, there was incidences in Germany where it was just plain ridiculous and I'd hate for it to happen because, you know, at the moment, that is on this the, the biggest boom it's been on in years. I mean, I've took my son um, out on Sunday, went went to the local ski place uh, in Manchester, did a couple of hours on the slopes, and then he needed a new school bag, so we went to a sports direct. And me being a darter, you know, I always got all the darts, and I know where they are. That's, you know, you're usually right at the back, hidden away next to the baseball bat and next to the golf club that they you know that they also don't sell. But walked in, you had your Premier League footballs, you had your Man United strips, you had your Man City strips, and there next to it is a full darts, full darts board. You've got all the boards, all the darts, you know, and I'm going, that right there is the littler effect. If you're going into your local sports direct and they've got darts on show in prime location, you know, when you go into these supermarkets and me coming from a retail background, you put in your high high value property and your high sales front and center. So when I've worked for Waterstones, you know, you had book of the week, book of the month that was in your prime locations, right at the front of the doors. This is where you're seeing darts now. And usually darts is, as I said, right at the back, hidden away. You don't want to see that. Now it's front and center. Absolutely. And I think Luke Little would be very happy in the fact that all the darts set up is next to all the Man United shirts. We know he's a, yes. we know he's a <laughs> Man United fan. Yes. And going back on to what you said about the um about the whistling, I do think something does need to be done because the players will get it will get to that stage where the players will be like, Look, this can't continue. Like um it was so blatantly obvious what was going on. I think the commentators even mentioned when they were speaking on the games that Maybe the people that were whistling had bets on Littler to maybe win the night. I don't know. But again, you can't be doing that because yeah. at the end of the day, it's not an even playing field. And it's like when you you watch a game of football and they're whistling for when a penalty has been taken or something. It's like something has to change. And darts is one of them sports where if you do get if you do get put off or something does happen at the last second, it can hinder you. Massively, massively. Yes. So I think we've got... Uh... A lot of stuff to talk about over the next 16 weeks, but that was the Premier League that was, and we need to talk about the Predictor League. Move on to the part of the episode now, which is going to be going on all through the Premier League, our weekly prediction competition. Um, I'll go over to AJ now because he's he is winning this week because of my predictions last week, but... The man with the stats. Yes. So uh, we'll go through the selections and then the actuals. So for Peter Wright versus Rob Cross, we both went 6-2. It was 6-3 to Rob Cross. On Gerwin Price, Nathan Aspinall, you went 6-5 and I went 6-4. I said there's going to be that extra break. And indeed there was. 
So I got the bonus point on that one. So Michael Smith and MVG, we both uh, didn't see that one coming. So no, nope. <laughs> no points on there. But then with Luke Humphries and Littler, we both went either way. Um, you went with Luke Humphries and I went with Luke Littler. And I got that one. So, but we both failed on the weekly winner. I think you picked Gerwin Price and I picked Luke Littler. But, you know, Michael Smith did the business. So putting that into this week's total points, that puts you on four at the moment and myself on seven. So the one game that really cost you was Gerwin Price and Nathan Aspinall. Final. Yeah, and um, I just thought that going price, maybe the fact that he was at home last week, um, he would have all the support with the Welsh crowd. He was very close, but um, as I said earlier on in the episode, Michael Smith, he was the best player on the night. He beat three of the top players and again, fair play to him at the end of the day, fair play. Yes, and this week we moved from Cardiff to Berlin. Sounds like a song, that. <laughs> <laughs> From Cardiff to Berlin and every Labour club I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) So, fixtures are Nathan Aspel versus MVG, Gerwin Price versus Michael Smith, Luke Humphreys versus Peter Wright, Rob Cross versus Luke Littler. Nathan Aspel, MVG, who have you got and why? Um, Well, both players lost last week um, in Cardiff and... I do think both of these will be um, there or thereabouts in relation to the playoff race, but I am going to go with MVG to win this one. I think reaching the final of the Masters last week, um, he's in good form. He has reached three finals, as I said earlier, in the PDC this year in terms of the World Series and the Masters, and I'm going to go with MVG to win 6-4. I'm just typing this in as we go. So I have gone for the same winner, but by a different score. Uh, I think MVG, obviously, his power scoring is back. He is finishing well. And Nathan Aspinall, you know, he's throwing well. Don't get me wrong. I mean, all all eight players are throwing really good at this moment. But I just think with the slower start of Nathan Aspinall, perhaps might just make it where MVG gets the first three legs and then they share the legs between them throughout. So I'm going with 6-3 MVG. Both players will know that they... um they didn't pick up points last week and they will need to get back. Yes. They'll need to get on the board this time round. And they both did really well at the Masters this weekend. One reached the semis, one reached the final. They both lost to Stephen yeah. Bonson. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I think this format as well, like we've seen the Premier League format changed in 2022. And since then, Van Gerwen has won both of the competitions. And we yeah. know these nightly wins, he will get them eventually. And I do think he'll get his first point this week. Yes, definitely. And, you know, I mean, changing it from a league as it was to this knockout system, it's very similar. To, in the Northwest, we, on the, during the weeks, we used to have things called uh, the Tungsten Elite League, which was very similar, but this was 16 players, two games, and it's just a standard league format. And the first uh, Red uh, ADC leagues, uh, which I fortunately won one of them in the Northwest, um, then moving over to the vault. I prefer the league format because you, you're playing your two games, you can concentrate on your two games and, you know, whereas this tournament format will suit all, all these players, you know, they're playing tournaments week in, week out anyway, so I think it's just another tournament. I think for a viewer point of view, you know, Matt, I think it doesn't add, the, the rivalries don't kind of build on it, whereas you can see with the league format, you're going, well, he's playing him next week, you know, and, you know, you can see in the interviews a bit of needle happening and stuff like that, whereas with this, it's kind of a rinse and repeat, just a different format of first rounds, but um, no, I mean, it's producing really good darts from everybody. Um, The next game up is Gerwin Price versus Michael Smith, uh, who I'll go first this time, so Michael Smith with the win last week, obviously, is going to be full of confidence. But I think Gerwin's Price's overall game might be just a little bit stronger than Michael's at present. I mean, obviously, you know, form changes all the time, but I think sometimes class will rise to the top. And I think Gerwin Price will pinch this one six four. I don't like it when you go second because I, 
I've actually got the um, I've I've got the same scoreline. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do actually think Gerwin Price will also win six four. I just, as you mentioned earlier on, his game is in a slightly better place at the minute, and I don't know. I think my I think there will be a case of Gerwin Price wanting revenge after what happened in the final last week, and yeah, um, I, I think it will be close. I do think Michael Smith will give him a good game. We um, you you. He played really, really well last week in relation to who he beat. And I do think he will push Price all the way. But that extra breaker throw, I think, will come into play. And I think Price will get it. OK, so third game up is Luke Humphreys versus Peter Wright. Now, um, both Red Dragon players. and But you can say both on the upswing and one possibly on a downswing at the moment. But... You know, Peter Wright can turn up any night of the week. You know, it's just what happens on the day sometimes with him. But I think Luke Humphries is still riding the high of being world champion, being the world number one. Uh, yes, he was unfortunate last week against Luke Littler, but I think he bounces back from this and winning 6-2. Both these players, um, like the Aspinall Van Gerwen game, it's a case of the two. They haven't got any points yet. And after both losing last week... Um, I also will. I also am going to agree with you in relation to the winner of this game, but I am going with a slightly different scoreline. I do think Humphreys will get his first win in the Premier League this week. Right. Um, I do feel like he will get some wins in this competition, but this is a very tough draw for him, and the way he's playing at the minute, I don't think is. I don't think this game's come at the perfect time for him, and I think it's going to be six three to Luke Humphreys. Okay. And last game of the first round of the quarterfinals. Tasty one, repeat of the quarterfinal. Semi-final. Semi-final, sorry, semi-final. semifinal. Yes, repeat of the semi-final. Rob Cross versus Luke Littler. Who have you got and why? Um, well, I think Luke Littler, um, in relation to... He's had a rest this weekend, whereas all the other players have, <laughs> have, um, <laughs> have had to play the Masters and... I see this going the exact same way as the semi-final went um, back in January. Uh, I think Littler will win, um, and I'm going to go with him to win 6-3. He's had a rest. He's, he's been twiddling his thumbs on a, on FIFA. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've, I've gone for the same result in terms of who the winner will be. I've gone with Luke Littler. I've gone with it being a slightly closer uh, 6-4 on this. So that just leaves us with the weekly winner. It's going to be looking at the way the draws would be. It's going to be an interesting one, I've got to say. I mean, every week's going to be interesting with this uh, format. But um, who have you got as your weekly winner? Um, I am going with the band that you said was going to win last week. I'm going to say Luke Littler's going to win. Oh, he's going with it. Right. Because. I just think, like I mentioned earlier on, he's um he's had a rest this weekend. All the others have played. I do. If it does go with the draw, it will be a repeat of the um, World Championship final again in the semi-finals this week. If both yeah. Humphreys and Littler do win, and I just, it, to me, I think it will be Littler versus Van Gerwen in this final. I think they're the two players that always keep reaching the finals, and I just think because Littler's had that rest this weekend, and Van Gerwen's gone all the way to the final, the Masters. I just think maybe. Littler might have a bit more energy in relation to the whole of the knockout tournament, and I think he will slightly edge it. Right. So I've gone different for the same reasons. I think with having that little bit of a break, I think, you know, I don't think there'll be butterflies or anything like that, but I think he'll reach the final, but he will get undone by Van Gerwen again, in my opinion. I have gone with Van Gerwen to win week two. So we'll see how that goes for this week and plenty to talk about the following week as well. Uh, we've got ADC events, as again, local events. Um, WDF-wise, I don't think there's anything this weekend, but the following weekend, you've got the Scottish Open, so all eyes will be on that. But this weekend is the turn of the seniors. I think it's going to be in there who do you think's got good chances who do you think's going to win it well going into this world seniors world championship um i 
I think Robert Thornton has won the only two tournaments that this that because obviously the organisation started in 2022 and Thornton won the first final. He beat Martin Adams in the final, and this year, uh, last year, sorry, he beat um, Richie Housen in the final. But I, I, I don't know if I see Thornton being the one that wins it this year. I think Leonard Gates was a very good player on the World Senior Circuit last year. He won. Yeah, he stormed. He won, yeah, stormed it the, the latter part of the year. Winning three televised majors. The only one he didn't win, surprisingly enough, was this one that's about to start this weekend, the World Seniors Darts Championship. And I, I've i looked at the players who are in it. Um, you've obviously got to look at players like Neil Duff. Um, he, Lakeside World Champion, he's always going to be a threat in these tournaments. Uh, Phil Taylor's playing in his last ever World Seniors Darts Championship because he announced at the end of last year that he was going to be retiring for more competitive darts. Yeah. And yeah. you've got ex you've got ex tour card holders coming in as well. Uh, Richie Burnett is the the main one there as he um recently lost his tour card last year and he also reached the quarterfinals on the UK Open. So definitely there's plenty of players that could win this and it's basically who you. It's it's like a pick at the minute. I really haven't got a clue. Yeah, I mean, I can, we can have a look at the first rounds. So you've got defending champion uh, opening up against Martin Turner, who recently, well, last year won the Welsh Open, which is again one of the hardest tournaments to win on the circuit. And then you've got uh, silverback Tony O'Shea versus the Hammer Andy Hamilton. You've got Trina Gulliver versus John Henderson. That'll be an interesting game. Kevin Painter versus Jim McEwen. Now, big fan of Jim McEwen. Uh, spoken to, to him various times at, at different events, and you know he's a very slow, methodical player. I don't know if that may have uh, an, give him an advantage over Kevin Painter, who likes a, a quicker pace, let's say. And then you've got Dieter Hedman versus Martin Adams, David Cameron versus Jim Long, Terry Jenkins versus Paul Hogan. Former WDF World Champion Neil Duff versus Richard Ering Rollins, Phil Taylor versus Manfred Bildwill, Dowell Fitton versus Chris Mason. That should be an absolute stonker of a game. Both known for the heavy scoring in the past, so hopefully we can see some fireworks there. Uh, Scott Mitchell versus Matt Clark. We've met a few times on the Molder Sand on the Challenge Tour, I do believe, so it should be an interesting game there. Lisa Ashton versus Michael Huntley. Now, Michael Huntley, good play from Wales, and Lisa, you know, has been the only woman to play on the Pro Tour with a Pro Tour card. So again, really interesting game. Battle of the Target players: Glenn Durant versus Mark Dudbridge, the Owl Richie Housen versus Darth Maple John Part, Keith Della versus Richie Burnett, and closing out the first round is Leonard Gates versus Colin McCary. Looking at that, looking at the table the way it is, you know, the runs to the finals, you know, you've got in the top half, you've got Robert Thornton, you've got Martin Adams, you've got David Cameron, who won the Masters, uh, Neil Duff. Yeah. So, you know, it's a it's a, a tough top half. And then when you go into the bottom half, it, it doesn't get any better. You've got Phil Taylor, you've got Darrell Fitton, Chris Mason, who can still turn it on. Glenn Durant, Mark Dudbridge, Richie Housen, who's been in stellar form all last year and this year, and Richard Burnett, who, you know, after just losing his tour card. And then you've got the man on form in the senior uh, events, Leonard Gates. I mean, pick him at your peril. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, the final could literally be anything from, from that, um, which makes it an interesting tournament. It's difficult for the press to really... Say you know, put your money down. If you've got ten pounds, who's your money on? Because you know you've got a, a mixed bag of characters. You've got a mixed bag of form, but the players in form could get undone very quickly. I think with this tournament as well, it's a mix of everything. There's a mix of unknowns. There's a mix of ex players that have played on the PDC Pro Tour. We know that Hamilton is in very very good form. He played on the Moda Super Series a couple of weeks ago. He also yeah. reached the final stage of um, qualifying school and decided to play the Super Series instead of go for his tour card, which at the end of the day, it's his choice. He can do what he wants. And yeah. um, Obviously, we I mentioned Richie Bennett earlier on, ex-tour card holder last year. He's 
giving the seniors a go this year and very best of luck to him. Um, Matt Clark, he's a Moda Super Series Champions Week winner. So yeah. he's he won big last year and I think the seniors could be a uh, another avenue for him to try out and see how he fares against because he's got Scott Mitchell in the first round, which should be an interesting game. And um, I'm just having a look now if there's any more. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the... Uh, um, Richie Halson versus John Park game. John yes. um, Richie Halson, as I said earlier on last year's, he was a finalist last year in this. He actually reached a, f- a few finals and lost yes. a few times to Leonard Gates. Lost to Thornton last year in the um, in at the Circus Tavern. So, is he going to go one further this time around and win a major? Yeah, it should be. A, it's it's going to be an interesting weekend of darts, and it's all on the BBC, which is interesting. So again, should get some good numbers in terms of viewerships, and you know, for players, for the casual fans who remember the darts boom of like the nineties and the early nineties, you know, you've got a lot of names there that you remember. So it might bring in a fair few fans uh, on the on the television. Absolutely, and then. Um, the fact that it's also in an iconic venue in the Circus Tavern. This was where the World Championships, for those who don't know, were yeah. held before the Alexandra Palace came into play. So for the old school darts fans, this venue will hold a sense of heritage. Especially for uh, Mr. Philip Taylor, who dominated that venue year in, year out, barring 2003 against John Parton, 1994 against Dennis Priestley. And 2007 against Raymond Van Barneveld, the last ever one. The last ever one, yes. I mean, to play in so many events there and only lose three times and all be finals. Some some, uh, some stat there for <laughs> Phil Taylor. It's a happy hunting ground, as they say. So that's the seniors there. And now we're going to go on to some questions i've had one question uh come in which drew my attention and it was uh asking about the differences between the molded flights and the folding flights so folded and molded so obviously back in the day uh when you see clips of alan evans on the bbc the the welsh wonder that he was called back then if you take a note of his stats he was using molded flights back then so what was the past is now the future. And you can say that in a lot of guys is in sports equipment. You know, what used to be good and in fashion, what used to be uh, in fashion 20 years ago seems to be making a, a blast from the past. But technology is advanced and obviously technology has changed. Now, I use the molded flights uh, from my sponsor, QSOL. They use a Rost flight and a Tero flight. I use the Tero version, which the stem goes onto the flight. Um, but again, it's molded plastic, similar to L style. Now, in terms of is there any benefits? It depends on how you throw your darts and how you want your darts to land. With these molded flights, it makes the back end heavier. So, if you want your darts to land with a flatter trajectory, similar to Taylor was uh, back in the day, um, I think you know that might be a better solution for you. But if you know, for most players, they just see what the play the pro players use and. A lot of them have been converting to this molded system, you know, and I think the one that surprised me was Dave Chisnell. You know, he's he's just he's just seemed to be one of them players where he's like, yeah, just stick anything in and you know it'll be fine. But he seems to really like the molded stem flight system. And with virtually every company coming out with a version of it, you've got from L Style, which is their own independent company. Uh, from there, you've got QSOL, which have two versions, uh, as I said, with the Tero, which is um, a separate stem and flight system that l- lets a flight spin. And then you've got the Rost version, which is the all-in-one system, similar to the Condor flights, which are used by some players now, which is, I think, the ones um, Dave Chisnell uses and um, oh, Simon Whitlock uses as well from time to time. And then you've got the new uh, target ones, the K flights, which seem to be very popular in the local pubs where I've been playing recently in in, in pub leagues and that. And then even Winmow have got their version out with the airsoft, uh, with the fusion and the air wing, which is a separate flight system. So they all seem to be coming out with these different versions. And 
do you think it's a fad or do you think it's something that you could see everyone using in the future? I could see everyone using these in the future. I think with me, when I play darts, um, I go through stems, like the original stems, like they they die on me pretty quickly. Like I'd either throw the dart, get a Robin Hood, something like that, and then one of the stem sort of, one of the parts of it is completely gone. So um, I think the idea of it, I like the idea of it. I've not tried them before, and it would definitely be something that I would be willing to look at later down the line. It would definitely save me some money as well. Yes, I think this is something that we could really focus in on in the darts equipment. Be maybe trying all the different styles and seeing what the difference is between the two, and trying to find comparisons between standard flights, as it were, and these molded um, counterparts. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. So going from there, in terms of the predictor league, as I said, I'm winning seven four at the moment. We haven't got any forfeits as yet. So if you are listening and you're thinking, I really want to see him do X, Y, Z. Now, as we said, we've got to keep it safe and legal, but I'm all up for, you know, if it be a food challenge or anything like that, or just anything out of the norm. I've, I'm doing Tough Mudder, so come at me with your worst because I'm doing that. So I need to, that'd be good practice for me. So any suggestions, please do not hesitate. Email in at editor at dartsworld.com or follow us on Twitter, Darts World Magazine, and put in your suggestions there. And we'll read them out over the next few weeks and see which one's the best stroke worst for one of us to do. Powers in your hands, guys. You might as well just give us your suggestions and um, we'll run the poll. And I'm not looking forward to seeing what they are, but... Again, like well, I said, power's in your hands. Not at this moment, you know, anyway. <laughs> we'll see after the end of this week. So that wraps it up. And you could say that is game, shot and the match for this week. My name's AJ Ernst And I'm Harry Masterson. And we will see you next round. Bye, guys.